Welcome to Under the Fig Tree podcast with hosts Reverend Dr. Ben Hout and Reverend Micah Glenn. In today's episode, Ben and Micah catch up after a busy summer as they meditate under the fig tree. What's up, what's up, what's up, and welcome back once again to another episode of Under the Fig Tree. In fact, this is the first episode of season two. So once again, welcome back to people who have listened to us before, and welcome to people who might be joining us for the first time. I'm your host, Reverend Micah Glenn, the Director of Recruitment here at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, and of course, I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and co-host, Reverend Dr. Ben Haupt. How are you, bro? Good, good. Great to be on the podcast again. It's um, fun to fun to be back in this uh, kind of back in the swing. It, uh, it we we took a little summer off and um, we we did a few things around here, but it's it's good to be back. It feels good. We we did in fact take the summer off. Uh, you know, in our planning of doing this, you know, you get together and you say, "Oh, let's do a podcast." What does that mean? And there are some people with a uh, long endurance that can do this uh, daily or weekly, and they just keep going and going and going. Uh, but I mean, for us, you know, you would think at a, a educational institution that a summer break is a summer break, but for our work, <laughs> the summer isn't so much of a break, but a, more of a time to get busy. We have visitation events, we have people who are available to come to our campus, uh, and then we we have to plan for the start of the next academic term. So for the summer of, for us, like if if I'm being honest, if we were going to sit down and record podcast episodes, it would have been like midnight probably, right? something crazy on a weekly basis. Uh, but nonetheless, we're happy to be back. Uh, summer was great. We had our high school visitation uh, event, Vocatio, at the beginning of the summer, which was well attended and well received. And we're hoping to, to build on that if you're a high school youth or you know of a high school youth that could one day be a great pastor or deaconess or would just be interested in exploring the, mo- the, the meaning of vocation for them in lives. Uh, send them our way. It will be towards the end of June next year, and exact dates and schedule will be coming out soon. Um, yeah. Yeah, and the other big thing that we just got done with is orientation week. Um, it's probably, for, for us in the enrollment team, it's probably the most, uh, most busy week of the entire year. Um, so, But it was a ton of fun. We, we have, um, I think, 116, 118 students that started this academic year in uh, all the different programs. And one of the biggest uh, excitements of this uh, orientation was that uh, we have a new president. And we, we interviewed him on the last episode, just our very last episode of uh, season one. But now he's, he, he's official. He's been installed. He's been inaugurated. Uh, we had we had an inaugural dinner to celebrate him. Lots of people from all over the church came, um, so that was that was really exciting. And it was what was also really good to have was that our student body was all back on campus last year uh, or the year prior. We did uh, we did orientation really via distance because right. of COVID and. To, have everybody back and uh, to have people in the chapel. Of course, we were we were being careful, um, wearing masks and and such. But the the human community uh, was just uh, really really awesome. Uh, from people from all over the country came uh, mentors and our distant students and people from literally all over the world. Uh, international students come from all over the world, and um, to all be on campus last week was really 
really extraordinary. Yeah, for me, orientation was was a couple of things. For one, a worker uh, in our department helping what minimal help I was able to offer uh, at the time, just because my job doesn't really focus around campus that much. Mine is a much more outward focusing position. Uh, but but taking part in in leading service project groups and things like that. But I'm also starting graduate school. Oh, I've started graduate school officially, right. and so here at Concordia, and so uh, I had to be in certain sessions for that to gain some information that that wouldn't have been so relevant during the MDiv, but is is much more relevant now that I'm a graduate student. Uh, it, and then. A couple of things stuck out to me, especially during the installation inauguration of uh, President Egger. Uh, one is something that we, we could know, but just I want to highlight the fact that both of our seminaries were established before the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. So our seminaries, where we train our pastors and now deaconesses, uh, predates the formation of our synod and uh, our life together that way, which A, highlights the importance of what we do here and and the importance importance of the people who go out into the world as uh, professional preachers and deaconesses to continue to bring the good word of God's word out into people in the world and the church, uh, both vitally important. Uh, but something that, that just kept sticking in my ear that, that just is remarkable, that our institution, we're starting our 183rd academic year. Yeah. Dr. Egger is the 11th president. <laughs> Right, I was doing that math, being like, "Holy cow, these people uh, have been have been some of them served for a very, very long time." Well, Walter was decades, but yeah. that that's an average yeah. of eighteen years per presidency, yeah. uh, which again I think speaks to the institution uh, and and how we you know prop up our leaders and, and hold them up and help them accomplish what they need to do for the sake of what happens here, but it also says a lot about the leaders to the church and their dedication uh, to seeing this place continue to be successful. And and I have zero doubt in my mind that uh, Tom Eggers' uh, presidency will reflect uh, the history of this institution and also take us in a a wonderful direction moving forward and what Concordia Seminary uh, will be under his presidency. Yeah, he um, he's he's starting out his first academic year. We always have a theme for every academic year. It's basically a Bible verse that we that we choose uh, to help us to kind of focus our thoughts and focus um, our our devotions on campus. And so, uh, Dr. Egger chose uh, Psalm one nineteen one oh five, kind of a a, a well known verse. Um, and, and this is from ESV, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And uh, Dr. Egger is, he's, a, he's an Old Testament prof. Um, so of course he's going to pick from the, the Old Testament. Of course he's going to pick a psalm. Um, he loves all the scriptures though. And that really came through in, in President Egger's inaugural address. This, an inaugural address is kind of a, an opportunity for a new president to lay out kind of a vision for what he wants Concordia Seminary to be under his presidency, kind of key themes. Uh, so what were some of the things that, that you heard in that inaugural address? You know, for me, and if you ever have an opportunity to sit down with, with Dr. Egger, which, which is a good thing because, it, A, it shows how genuine he is and what he says on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but if you ever hear him sit down and, and talk about a story about his time in the parish, he'll always talk about uh, the people he served and 
their love for their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if he's talking about somebody, there's a story of after he first moved into house number one, strangely, in the morning one day, a stranger came to his door and because they knew what our institution was, wanted to talk to him about his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And and that's how he, he addresses Jesus, our Lord and our God. Uh, but but what my, my point is, is that when he's doing something and when he's talking about a, a story, everything he says and everything that he does and imitates is around Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and that was it resonated throughout his inaugural address. It resonated, it resonates in everything that he's, I can't remember a time where I've heard him speak, especially from a podium, without centering everything around the cross. Um, which again, in a place where you're training people to become pastors and deaconesses for the sake of the church, nothing is more important than the person that this is all really about, uh, Jesus, uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, it just really, uh, again, like you said, the narcologist opportunity to, to set the tone and vision for this is what my presidency is going to be about. And the fact that it focused so heavily around that, not about important things like, like finance and operations and all these other things that, that make the wheels turn, that sure. they're definitely important. Uh, and without those things, we well, I guess we could do what we do we we might be less inclined <laughs> to yeah. be honest yeah. but uh but yeah that 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 phrase just kept repeating itself and it really uh hit home for me yeah the other the other thing that that came through really really uh to me was this um a, a theme that we heard over and over again which was um centered in the scriptures right so jesus says in John five thirty nine, you think that you have life because you're searching the scriptures, but these are these are scriptures that testify about me, right? So um, it's all about Jesus, and where do we learn about Jesus? It's from the scriptures, and both the the Old Testament and the New Testament all point to Christ. So, so President Egger is uh, is an Old Testament professor. He teaches the Bible, and it, he made it really clear that. Um, our life really will center around the, the scriptures. And I think he, he wants to make sure that in the curriculum of all of our programs at the seminary, that the scriptures are uh, kind of the bedrock foundation of, of everything that we do, everything that we teach. Um, and, and I love that. I mean, as a, I, I try to spend a, a few minutes every morning in the scriptures. I'm I've uh, challenged myself to read through the Bible again this year, and um, you know I think that's just that's just been part of my Christian life is being uh, immersed in the in the Scriptures. So that that is uh, part of where we where we work and what we teach our students. Um, they can come here and know that they're not getting second rate uh, people who just like to talk about the Bible. They're getting. Uh, professors that love the Word of God are um, well trained in the Word of God. Are studying the Scriptures in their original languages. Um, we had guys here over the summer doing uh, summer Greek, and now um, and Hebrew, and now Hebrew. Yep, and and so um, that's just a, a essential part of our of our curriculum here at the seminary. And even for our listeners, I, I want to encourage a couple things. And one is that uh, study Bibles are good. 
uh, because they take some of the heavy academic academia out of a commentary and put it in footnotes in a study Bible for somebody who's not looking to be splashed in the face with the fire hose of, of academic work looking back. Not to say that, obviously, we don't think anything is wrong with that. We love it. Uh, but for the average reader, it's like, oh, what does this verse mean? If you have a nice commentary Bible, there will be some digestion of the verse and application. Uh, but one thing that I was encouraged to purchase, well, that I was required to purchase for one class was a journal journaling Bible that has intentional margins for notes. Uh, and I, I would encourage that. And in, in mine, uh, you can probably get the one I have on Amazon for 25 bucks. Uh, has a reading plan in the back, so it's Old Testament passages, uh, Psalm, and then uh, a New Testament passage. And I think by the time you've read the Old Testament, you've probably read the New Testament twice, maybe even the Psalter twice. Uh, but it, but it's all good. Uh, that way, you know, you don't skip Leviticus and Numbers or Chronicles, right. and you you bite off palatable verse uh, chunks on a day to day basis. So you do actually read all the scripture because. In the midst of Leviticus and Chronicles, there's actually some fairly remarkable passages that are very eye-opening. Um, so yeah, and then, and then and then also, I typically try to use pencil, but I, I love when I've used pen, and I can go back and I can't scratch out some of the dumb notes that I've made in the past, <laughs> just so you can see how much you've grown in your faith. Yeah, exactly. We we actually just got our son a, a journaling Bible for confirmation. He got confirmed this past May, so we got him a journaling Bible. We also uh, we buy every student that comes into the Masters of Divinity program. They get a journaling Bible right. from the, the seminary guild. Um, a group of uh, ladies that love the seminary and give give to the seminary um, generously. So every student gets a journaling Bible, and we it's because we, of course, they're going to get the content of the scriptures, the right. what what was the you know historical context and what's the Greek verb and what's the doctrine that this this passage might be teaching, but we also want students to be able to connect with the the scriptures personally. And kind of be able to look at that, kind of like you were saying, um, be able to look at old notes that you put. And we always, we all have those, right? Uh, readers, if you're not, if you're not uh, writing in a Bible, I'd highly encourage it. Don't write in the pew Bible at church, right. but but uh, find yourself a Bible that you can write in and start taking some notes. Um, I love that. I my Lutheran study Bible is just filled with with notes, and some of them are content related, and some of them are kind of like, oh, I get it now, and some of them are like this passage really meant a lot to me on this at this particular time in my life. Yep. Well, now, and I, I, I often find I, I, I write a lot of questions, and sometimes uh, if you continue reading the, the book that, that you're on target for for the day, some of those questions get answered, yeah. and then I, I'll write verses to correlate to questions, and every once in a while I'll be reading a, a, a passage, and I'll see a verse I wrote down. I'll be like, why did I write this verse? And you go back and you look, oh, that's why. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a good practice, and it, it just gets you more engaged in God's word on a day-to-day -day basis. As you were talking, the other thing I wanted to talk about, and then encourage people at home to, to actually take this to heart, one other thing that, that Dr. Egger really highlighted in his inaugural speech was, was community. Yeah. Uh, Concordia Seminary, we're blessed here. Um, it, it, you could take 
our campus, especially the main body of it, you can lift it up, you can place it in, in all of the prestigious academic settings of the world. And from a visual aspect, our, our campus goes. There's a lot of work that goes into our grounds, maintenance of our buildings, the, the faithful people who built the, the campus. Uh, back in the beginning of the 20th century, yeah, end of the 19th century? Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, and their dedication, just a bunch of good old German carpenters and masoners getting together and throwing this thing together. Uh, but but then, of course, it's not just buildings, right? Uh, it's the people here. And so there there's dorm rooms, there's the faculty housing, uh, there's uh, the woods, the, the married uh, community back there, but then also with the commuters and all the different events that we have here beyond classes where we all come together and just uh, celebrate our life together as fellow students but all, and, and, with, and faculty members, but just as the body of Christ. I mean, Paul talks about the body of Christ very often uh, with, with a lot of intention, but it's one of those things where like, you know, I, I like to say it this way, you know, you, you can't ignore something that's going wrong with your body. You can try to for a while. I, you know, there, there are times I've got this little thing catching in my knee and from past experience, I have a, a feeling that it's my meniscus mm. that might need to be clipped. I, I'm just not, I'm not a, I don't like surgery. I'll just put yeah. it that way. And so I'm waiting until it's unbearable until I do something about it. And if you're a doctor way. and you're listening to me right now, uh, don't email me. <laughs> it's not going to change anything. Uh, but but that's the thing. Like we are a community. We are the body of Christ. And you once you get to know each other and people let off cues, um, and, and those things are noticeable. In my first year, there were a couple moments where I was really struggling with a couple of things, not not class wise, just life wise. And professors could pick up on that, and they they stopped me in the quad, and they didn't corner me. They just just simply asked. They, they they noticed things weren't right and they asked if if I would be willing to talk about it. And then, you know, that invitation is remarkable. Yeah. Uh, I, I've experienced being the inviter as a pastor and giving somebody liberty to talk about their life, ups and downs. Um, it's such an incredible thing, and that's a deep part of our community. So, you know, if you're listening at home, uh, life is tough. We're all busy, but but definitely embrace uh, and delight in the fact that you have this massive body of Christ that has transcended time and space, uh, that has confessed their faith together for millennia now, um, that, you know, as we're sitting here recording this podcast uh, for your listening enjoyment, uh, that, that we are indeed here for you and your other brothers and sisters in Christ uh, closer to you are there for you as well. And and we mean that actually literally, listeners. We One of the great... Uh, uh, highlights of this summer was uh, somebody that had been a listener of season one on the podcast um, finished finished through listening to the to the entire season then emails uh, us the two of us and kind of talks to us like we're celebrities right. and and is like wants to meet us and it was such an honor to talk with him and to hear his story um, it, he had a, a really moving story uh, but but um, I, I think that there's some Christian community that's, that's had in this podcast. And as our, our listenership continues to grow, um, we mean really seriously that we would love to, um, to be in touch with you because we're not celebrities. We're, just, we're just two, two guys working at the seminary. And um, 
Uh, we love we love theology. We love our Lord. We love Concordia Seminary, and uh, the intersection of all of those things is just uh, a ton of fun. So um, yeah, definitely community featured featured well in uh, President Egger's address. You know, another thing that I really enjoyed during the 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 day of President Egger's inauguration was uh, in one of the sermons that we heard. Um, the the preacher said that uh, you know growing up or or maybe I guess when he was a new pastor he thought that these um, these pastors that assign uh, people confirmation verses were like kind of geniuses that they must really know uh, their their confirmands well because it was kind of striking how similar the the confirmation verse was to the person and then and then he reflected and said. But maybe it's maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the pastor, in in all of his great wisdom, of course, he said. But but maybe maybe what's really going on is we get a confirmation verse assigned to us, and that word of God and that particular word begins to form us and mold us and shape us in really unique and interesting ways. And um, I was just I was just intrigued by that idea, and it it really. I thought did a nice job of kind of helping us to reflect on this theme. Your word is a, a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Literally, my confirmation verse has meant a lot to me. So um, to, to, to be fair, I did ask uh, Micah what his confirmation verse was ahead of time so that we're ready for this conversation. Uh, <laughs> nothing worse than being asked your confirmation verse and then uh, saying, oh, shoot, what was that? And Micah didn't. Uh, he knew it right off the bat, but. So, so here's mine. Uh, it's Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And that's the ESV. I learned it as every word of God is flawless. Uh, but, uh, you know, as I reflect on things, I, I ended up doing a PhD in New Testament and particularly in textual criticism where I was constantly uh, thinking about the text, the, the word of God. Um, and uh, I, I really came to uh, deeply appreciate each and every individual word of God. Um, I, I don't think that that's exactly what this verse means, that like each and every jot and tittle, um, but, but everything that God has said proves true. Yep. And, and, it, and that's true from uh, the smallest details to the, the, the largest concepts. And... Um, it's been fun studying uh, every word of God and and studying the word of God and its particularities, um, and it's been a shield. It's it is a place where I take refuge. Well, not only is it true and, and flawless, uh, it, especially in the the verses that we all have memorized that are kind of well known, but also in the words that are challenging. Yeah, challenging in in the context when they're were taking place where. Uh, Oh, the Exodus story, when, when they're conquering Canaan and, and the promised land. I mean, there's a certain amount of ruthlessness to it. And, you know, if you just if you just try to look at it as it is without trying to understand it, uh, that's how people try to come up with a, a mean and terrible Old Testament God. But if you focus on the purpose of what is being accomplished there, it's actually for the sake of all of us. Well, and I especially love that the the verse in I, th I think it's Second Corinthians one verse twenty that uh, 
every promise of God is yes in Christ. Right. So uh, that's definitely the way that I would tend to to interpret my confirmation verses that uh, every word of God is pointing to back to what I, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, John 539, every word of God points to Christ right. and has proven true in Christ. Um, and so uh, I, I spent a lot of time studying early church fathers and how they read the scriptures and they are constantly pointing every verse and every promise of the scriptures back to Jesus and to what he's done for us. And in, in Jesus, God has spoken, God has revealed himself. And um, so that's, that's where we take uh, shield and refuge and comfort. So that's, that's my confirmation verse. Um, I, I kind of agree with the preacher that um, I, think, I think the verse has actually kind of molded and shaped me. So uh, how about for you? What's, uh, what's your confirmation verse and, and how, is it, how is it shaped or molded you? Yeah, so mine is John eight twelve. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Um, so that it's not talking about me, first and foremost. That's Jesus' words talking about himself being the light of the world. Uh, listeners, don't follow me. Follow Jesus. <laughs> uh, but it's Good clarification. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never know. Cause, well, anyway. So it's interesting. Uh, so when I was being confirmed, uh, my pastor didn't actually choose my confirmation verses we had a list of ones and everybody was kind of given some liberty to choose and uh just what the thing is like only so many people can have each one because everybody wants to be strong and courageous from joshua right. right at some point and so i remember going through them and my mom picked my confirmation verse mm. and it, it, every church congregation has its own tradition but we had to write a paper based upon oh, yeah. that verse and then read it to the, the class and all of our parents. And, uh, you know, it's true then. I, I, I might be a little more articulate about it now as opposed to when I was 13, but essentially it was just, you know, life is difficult. And if I always follow Jesus, no matter how difficult life gets in the present, uh, that I have a bright future yeah. because Jesus is the light of the world, right? And that you know, when we're talking about darkness, especially from a John perspective, I think, you know, he's talking about ultimate darkness, the, yeah. the absence of God, right. the absence of light, a.k.a. eternal death. Um, and, you know, we, we've talked about our past ministry, which includes parts of our past life. And I, I'm not uh, an exception to a, a common modern Thing that happens where, where young people struggle with uh, congregational identity. Where do I now fit as in a congregation because I'm no longer a youth, yeah. but I'm also no longer an adult or a couple. And, and some congregations are blessed to have young adult ministry. And at the time, mine didn't. Uh, that's irrelevant now today. But, but at the time, you know, just trying to struggle to find that congregational identity, being kind of out in the world, not totally active uh, in my face, insofar as going to church on a regular basis, uh, you know, that light of the gospel that was sprinkled over me in my baptism, uh, that was spoken to me for at least 18 years of my life regularly, uh, did not let go. That light would not unshine on my life, yeah. even in my darkest moments where 
you know, when I was trying to, when I stopped going to college for a couple of years and like, even just not just purpose in my congregation, but purpose in life was a struggle. Like, what am I supposed to do? But, and then lo and behold, uh, that light, it called me into ministry. Um, yeah. and, and as a pastor, it's, it's one of those things, just like Dr. Egger says, you know, sitting by somebody whose grandson is overdosed or somebody sister who's in the hospital who's struggled with their faith and their sisters ask you to go visit them because they're worried about their eternity that uh in the midst of the conversation while they're struggling with life while they're trying to rationalize the evil things that happen in the world and why uh, that we, we still have this light jesus and that nothing i can say is going to fix this scenario but i can point you to him and his promises uh for the world and that's what you should grab onto and that's what you should hold on to for the person who's suffering and that's what you should hold on to yourself and so that i mean I, it's I, my mom gave me a layup in a verse <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> right awesome. yeah. it's so uh universally applicable to every christian in the world but that's how it's it played out for for me in my life um even even now, you know, life still isn't perfect. Yeah, there are good days, there are bad days, and uh, you know, when I get out my journaling Bible in the morning after Dorothy and the kids have left, and it's a little quieter, and I, you know, I take my my moment for personal devotion. That light shines through every word. Yeah, and there's beautiful gospel in in that. Um, I was just sharing with a close family member today that, you know, uh, we don't. We don't always remember God. Uh, maybe you know we we have days where we miss our devotions. Um, maybe maybe days, weeks, months, years where we wander far away from God, but He, he never stops shining that light, and um, He's always calling us back to Himself and and doing everything uh, in in our lives to to bring us back to that back to the to himself and back to uh to to shine that light even in even in some some dark places and it's not anything that we have to you know keep up or control or uh do that's just who our god is he just he loves us that much that he just he just can't um he can't let us let us alone no and even for the person you're worried about who seems far away from god he's he's while they're again, maybe far away from, from the church and participating, uh, just remember that, that God is in all and through all, and that the creator of all things isn't far away from the people who are lost, and uh, you never know uh, what moment, uh, what thing uh, could either bring them back or bring them in. And so again, just continue to hold on to that light. Uh, I don't know about you. I'm not a believer in coincidences. Uh, things do happen by chance every once in a while but but in times like this especially in conversations like this coincidences it's just not possible but you know your confirmation verse really focused on word my confirmation verse focused on the word but you know light was a theme and then we have this theme for our academic year and the fact that you you did just ask me like moments before we hit record and started playing so you had no idea what my confirmation verse was no that's right but but nonetheless yeah, we have a theme for this academic year, and it is, "Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path." 
that's pretty cool. It brings uh, it brings my confirmation verse about the word together with yours about the light. President Egger must have must be a genius, and he just uh, he picked that verse out because of Ben and Micah. Uh, probably probably not actually. <laughs> When when you hear people talk about Dr. Egger as an academic, he, he could very well be a genius. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things, though. Like yeah, not coincidence. I mean, it is. Again, I wasn't expecting your confirmation verse to be that. Uh, you weren't expecting my confirmation to be what it was. We were intending on talking about the theme, but you know, it, it's such a scripturally words and light. Yeah, just happen often, uh, and, and it's such a focal point. You know, when God was creating all things, He separated light from darkness, and then He ordered that light into things to provide light. Uh, and then, from a biological standpoint, uh, from a practical standpoint, and from a comfort standpoint, light is so integral to the human experience. Whether you believe in Jesus or in God or not, uh, it, it, it's just inescapable. Yeah, we need it. We have to have it. Have to have to have it for life. So, listeners, if if you have uh, not returned to your confirmation verse, or if you don't have a confirmation verse, um, we'll we'll give you one. Reach out to us, and we'll give you a confirmation Happily. verse. Um, you probably have a confirmation verse, though, and but this might be an opportunity to return to it and to um, spend a little time uh, digging around in it. What does it What does it mean? And um, what has it meant, and what might it mean in in the future, uh, or at least for today? So maybe some some homework for you. Hey, switching subjects, we want to talk a little bit about another thing that uh, we we worked on just for a few minutes here toward the end of this episode, and that's this uh, this little resource called Drop Your Nets and Follow Me: Raising Up the Next Generation of Church Workers, and um, by Reverend Micah Glenn. Micah, tell us a little bit about this resource and uh, why you wrote it and what it's for. Sure. Um, yeah, so one of the things, it's a matter of practicality. You accept a job and that job comes with responsibilities. And one of the responsibilities was coming up with something to get in the hands of people outside of Concordia Seminary in the grander uh the grander church body at large, uh, to, to begin thinking about this. Uh, because we have a nice class coming in academically and in our formation programs. But the truth is, is there will never be a day where we have enough pastors, if that makes sense. And, and if we start training more people than we have congregations in the LCMS, that means we just have more people to go and start new congregations and to continue to take the word out into places where it isn't currently being preached. Because, you know, there's studies about American Christianity and its decline and things like that, um, and all of the different causes and things like that. But one of the things that happens is is simply that, again, we'll we'll never have enough pastors and deaconesses for the church. Uh, And so that's that's kind of the heart of my job, is, is just to look out at who we are as a church body, and look at who isn't currently a student in Concordia Seminary and uh, encouraging you listeners, but also helping you encourage the people around you uh, to think, well, what would make a good pastor? Which is an interesting question uh, because, again, Ben and I uh, have shared our stories. One thing we plan to do a little bit more in this season is ask our guest 
how they became a, a pastor or a deaconess or what their path was like. And so you can hear that none of us really have the same story. There, There's common themes in some stories, but nonetheless, we're all going to come from a radically different place. We're going to come from different families. We're going to come from different backgrounds and experiences. And all of that can help you become, not become, but help you in ministry one day. So if you're sitting at home and thinking, well, uh, you know, I'm a wretched sinner. I could never be a pastor. Well, I'm here to tell you I'm a wretched sinner and I am a pastor. And so uh, that's, that's one of those things. And in fact, drop your nets. I, it kind of, I, I wanted to highlight, uh, Jesus calling his disciples specifically in Matthew's account. Uh, if you do all the accounts at one time, it, it, it would take too long to read. I wanted to make, so I wanted to create something that people would actually pick up and read hopefully. And so if you look at the people he called, uh, Peter and Andrew, John and James specifically, those guys are fishermen. Um, and, and no offense to any fishermen out there, but especially in the first century, you're, you're not talking about academics. You're not talking about scholars. You're talking about hard laborers. They, they could make a decent living, but they weren't at the top of the economic scale. Uh, they weren't at the top of the social scale. I mean, who really knew Peter and Andrew before Jesus called them to be disciples. Uh, then you, you go forward to Matthew, a tax collector, one of the most reviled people in society, uh, probably abused his position. Not Nothing against Matthew. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he was an honest tax collector, but you would think if he was, they would have made an exception to highlight that uh, in the gospel accounts. Fast forward to Paul, who was once called Saul, a literal persecutor of the church who hated Jesus, who hated Christians. Uh, and then became the best missionary in human history after Jesus called him and, and is responsible for books in scripture, uh, that inspiration, but also churches throughout the world. And so that, that was kind of like the heart behind it. Um, and so like this podcast, like Drop Your Nest, we're, we're going to be trying to continue to resource the church and how they can participate with us. Uh, and looking around your congregation and saying, hey, this this young eight-year-old kid has a, a deep heart and empathy for his classmates. Maybe one day he could be a pastor. And if you're seeing that in a young person in your congregation, you should tell them now today and begin to plant that seed. Or maybe they're in eighth grade and, and you notice that they have an affinity towards scripture and they're always looking at it and asking questions. And maybe they could be a pastor or a deaconess someday. Uh, you should tell them today uh, and plant that seed now. Or maybe uh, there's an elder in your congregation, and by being an elder, he's grown in all these different ways, and he's growing in his care uh, for people in your congregation, and you think, well, you know, you do XYZ job now. Maybe you should consider church work as a profession. Well, tell them today while it's fresh on your brain and while uh, it could have an impact on your life, and maybe it takes a couple years for that seed to grow. Uh but you should do it because I'm one recruiter. I know and have a great relationship with the other recruiter at the seminary. And we're two people in two very specific geographical locations. And simply put, uh, I can't do it by myself. Uh, and our department couldn't do it all alone. Uh, that This is an endeavor for the, the church at large. And uh, we deeply uh, would love to have you participate in this with us and identify people for us to reach out and maybe they don't know about Concordia Seminary and what we do here. Uh, but, you know, you tell them, they reach out to us and then, and then we tell them and then, you know, 
through conversation. Maybe it's for them, maybe it's not, but, but that's kind of how it starts. And that's kind of the method and the heart that went into drop your nets and follow me. I love it. I, um, I, I had a, a vision for what I hoped the resource would be. Um, I think even before you came on the team, um, and it was on the one hand, this, this practical resource that would actually help, uh, people in, in congregations and, and people thinking about ministry to have conversations about, oh, maybe I, maybe somebody that I know should become a pastor. So on the one hand, really practical. On the other hand, I wanted it to have some meat and potatoes. And I love that you picked um, Matthew and chose just uh, one narrative from the New Testament rather than trying to kind of quote all of them. And there's, there's great uh, genius to that because that, that reflects actually the way we do, the way we read the Bible here at Concordia Seminary, which is to say, yes, we believe that all scripture interprets scripture, but um, too often in the church, I think we go picking, cherry picking for our favorite verses rather than just sitting with one text and really let, letting that one text uh, interpret itself. Um, so, so um, I, I love that, that that comes through really nicely in this, this resource because you're, you're an exegete. You're a, you're a, a Bible uh, scholar and a, a Bible lover, and uh, so it just naturally kind of comes through in, in the resource. So, all right, so some action items. So, listeners, if you want a copy of Drop Your Nets and Follow Me and you've not seen one out in the wild— uh, we sent them out to every congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, so your pastor might have a copy. But if you don't, uh, you can go to our website, www.csl.edu, and you can just search for Drop Your Nets, and you'll you'll find a PDF there. Or if you write uh, to uh, me or to Pastor Glenn and ask us for uh, a copy of this, we'd love to send you out a, a couple of copies, hard copies, uh, at no charge, of course. Um, so, uh, Glenn M, G L E N N M at csl.edu or Haupt B, H A U P T B at csl.edu. We would love to um, send one of those out to you. So, thanks, Micah. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a great, uh, great first episode to get us back into the podcasting. We have lots of special guests uh, that are coming up this year and we have um, we're, we're going to take a look at some some uh, some new books of scripture and uh, talk about some books that our, our faculty colleagues are writing uh, should be an exciting season so looking forward to uh, getting this season off to a fresh start yeah I'm really excited about it if you guys couldn't tell we we really love to talk about theology and Concordia and uh yeah, we, we really are passionate about uh, making this place available uh, to the people who might be exploring uh, a life in this direction. Uh, so Ben gave you our emails. Feel free to reach out to us uh, Yeah, and be on, on the lookout for another episode next week. Have a blessed rest of your day.